What's up, and welcome into the lead block. Happy Monday, everybody, and congratulations. You have made it through the first month of college football, the first full month of college football, and by the time you're listening to this, you will almost have made it through the first month of NFL football. It's gone pretty quick. Uh, my name is Tyler Walters, and I am here with Matthew. my co-host, Matthew Anderson. Uh, rings to all those chimes and all the things of that nature. <laughs> uh, follow us on Twitter. At the lead underscore block, so you can stay up to date with all of our episodes. Follow myself at Tyler Walter CNR and Matthew at Matt the Chosen One, number one. Don't forget it. Matt the Chosen One. Go give us a follow real quick before you get into the episode. And I think that's all we kind of got for house cleaning. Let's get let's get straight into it. Like I just said, first month football season is over. How have you felt so far with kind of? We'll start with the college football landscape as the NFL games are still going on. Uh, For me, at least, it's been uh, the, like the first week, the week one, week two are kind of exciting. Well, even week zero, whenever you had Miami play. Who is it? Florida. Miami play. Florida. And then right now it's kind of cooling down. And, and we're finally really getting to conference play here, though, especially like I've noticed like in the Big Ten and things of that nature. So and then you're also seeing like the programs like Oklahoma. Like, well, right now, they're although they aren't really playing any really great teams, they're kind of like separating themselves from the pack. And so hopefully around this time is whenever in conference you see a lot of upsets. We're heating up. Yep. Uh, as I was just saying on Friday's episode, we got Oklahoma, Texas and on the 12th, I believe. That's uh, the same day as the USC-Georgia game. Yes, sure is. Yeah, so a week and a half away, a little more than a week and a half away. Um, and, you know, we're starting to get big games. You got LSU-Bama coming later this season. You got LSU-Auburn coming later this week. LSU versus everybody else that they play. So none of those games have happened yet. None of so in the SEC, you got big games coming. Uh, Florida, Georgia still got to get to the meat of their schedule. They still got to play. What's that called? Auburn and, and and Florida. What were you saying? What's what called? Oh, uh, that Florida Georgia rivalry. What is that called? It is. I think it is the the South's largest cocktail party. Yeah. Something <laughs> like that. It's the largest cock. It's it's an old, like kind of funny weird name. Um, but yeah, well, let's hop right right into this weekend, um, and we will start right here in Columbia, where the Gamecocks have finally beaten Kentucky. They did it. It's taken six what? They, Kentucky. So I guess six years, seven, yep. six seven years ago is the last time that uh, South Carolina has woken up on a Sunday after they played Kentucky and had it be Victory Sunday, um, and just all around great win for the Gamecocks. So they looked very different than what they have looked offensively yep. uh, by the play calling and just the kind of game plan they had for the game, I believe. Um, we started to see, we were just talking, you know, Friday when we talked about this game, we were saying they've got to run the ball. They've got Rico Dowdle and uh, Tavian Feaster. they got to get those guys the ball. they got to help Helensky. Helensky shouldn't be throwing 50 times a game. As a freshman, you shouldn't, in a non-air raid offense, you shouldn't be throwing 50 times a game. Um, when you have two really good feature backs, so it Rico Dowdle ran for one touchdown and Tavian Feaster ran for two touchdowns. Both of them had over 100 yards. Both of them had one explosive play each. Uh, I think Dowdle had one right around 30, and, and Feaster had one right around 30 as well. And Feasters came in the fourth quarter, and he was just tossing people in that run. I don't know if you remember that, but he. Runs over to a guy on the line, 
Gives a little juke about six <laughs> yards, giving out a little shimmy shake at about 10, 12 yards, and he was off, and he goes down, you know, a few uh, few more yards and ends up getting like a 30-yard gain. And then you have him a little bit later in the fourth quarter for the final touchdown for the Gamecocks where he runs into a Kentucky defender at the five-yard line and just powers him into the end zone. Yeah, it's just late in the game. It was almost like he was primed to go like late in the game. It's like a lot of times why you have you hear about the fourth quarter program in sports as far as for strength and conditioning. It's like whenever you get to that fourth quarter, the other team's exhausted, especially when you've been running the ball at them the whole entire game. You uh, lock in in that fourth quarter and you really dominate, and you see uh, who's been working hard in the off season. Also, to what you were saying, they both had 15 carries. Tavian had 107 yards uh, for 7.1 yards per carry and two touchdowns. And uh, Rico had 15 carries for 102 yards, 6.8 yards uh, carry and one touchdown. That's really great, the fact that you're pretty much every time you run the ball getting like seven yards of carry. And obviously that is the average, but that's a great average to have for backs. Yeah, I mean, like I was saying, those two big, you know, almost 30-yard gains for both of them uh, helps that average out a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, so that kind of skews the number. But when you're sitting at the end of the day and you have two running backs who had 15 carries each and – both of their averages is around seven yards a carry. You're looking good. Yeah, and so when you look at it right there, uh looks like it were 45 rushing plays. That's, yeah, that's pretty good. 46. Yeah, yeah 46. And Halinski threw the ball 27 times, which is like almost half that 50 that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah and, and I um, – this is what I, I thought South Carolina should have been like their game plan from day from day one from right. UNC game. Um, they came out UNC and they played super conservative, and then they're like, "All right, well, we can't run the ball. We can't just run the ball. So now we're gonna just throw the ball." And now it's it should not take a month for you to figure out a good <laughs> game plan for your football team, but it I mean it, it took them a month, and this win this weekend against Kentucky, I mean they were dominant right. in this game. There was never a point in this game, if you're watching it as a South Carolina fan, where you kind of felt like, oh boy, here we go again. Yeah, Kentucky had a few a few drives, and, and the one thing that that uh, really looked shaky was in the first first quarter, first half, where Kentucky goes to punt the wall, ball oh, away. Oh yeah, and it hits. Who is that? Who did it? Darius Rush? Darius Rush gets hit in the back with yeah with the punt, trying to block downfield. And uh, they hop Kentucky on it. recovers it real quick, and now uh, they've got uh, their ball on South Carolina's, what, 40-yard line? Yeah. But the defense came right back out, and they said, you know what, we got you. You made a mistake, we got you. And Kentucky ends up going for it on fourth down right there. They're in that fourth down territory, and the, and the defense holds. Um, and you get your offense back out there. So it was four quick plays for Kentucky right there. Boom, give South Carolina the ball back and let them go. Um, but, yeah, they, they had – a game where they just finally looked like a complete team and like they looked like what they they knew what they were doing and it, honestly it felt like it's the first time they've been prepared yeah. to take on an opponent outside of Charleston Southern um <laughs> it, it's hard to prepare for Alabama considering it's Alabama and the Gamecocks played well in that game uh obviously not good enough to win so if you're not winning, then, I mean, winning is the point of the game. So if you can't win, then it doesn't really matter. Uh, but in the North Carolina game and the Missouri game, it, it didn't really look like they game planned good enough or executed well enough to win either of those games. And in this week against Kentucky, 
game plan looked good. They looked like they were like, hey, here is what we are going to do, and we're going to do it. And they put together a great game plan, and they came into the game Saturday night, and they executed. Yeah. Finally. So... I will say, um, all with the what speaks kind of to the defensive performance, Kentucky did not have a hundred yard rusher or a hundred yard receiver or a hundred yard passer. And if you can keep an uh, offense under a hundred yards in the passing game, that's a and in and the rushing game because you know usually you'd have one be more dominant than others. Usually a pretty good day for your defense and overall to help you uh, get the win. Yeah, I mean this is their their defense has looked pretty good this year. Um, they they the Missouri game the score is a little skewed because the offense gave up 14 points. Yeah. So they played pretty well in that one. Uh, they they could not hold in the fourth quarter against UNC, but the offense couldn't keep the defense off the field in that game because they were just giving the ball right back. You know, in the in the second half against UNC in that first game, and I mean Alabama, you got Tua just tossing it around all day. Yeah. Uh, which he did a lot of again yesterday, but. Yeah, and they just DJ Wanham was so impressive last night, and Sterling as well. Those guys were everywhere the entire game, and especially Wanham in the second half. He had multiple sacks. I think he had two or two or three. Um, I've got it right in front of me somewhere. I'll find it here in a minute. But yeah, he looked good. And when you and Wanham had three, as a matter of fact, he had three. Yeah, three sacks. So when you have your one of your big defensive guys. Like Wanham, DJ Wanham, stepping up, and we didn't hear as much from Kenlaw. Yeah, but Kenlaw drew a lot of those double teams, and you got to pick somebody to double team. And right now, you're gonna pick Kenlaw on, on South Carolina's defensive line, and now that frees up Wanham, and Wanham made them pay for it right. instead of just you know having an average game. He he got after it. And I was very impressed with him, and Sterling's played great the last two weeks. So it, it's good to see. Uh, for for South Carolina fans, that those guys are actually making plays. Here's the guys you talk about and you hype up, and they're really good athletes. And it's time for them to make plays. And Saturday night, they they did exactly that. Also, I love Ernest Jones' interception. It's great. It's always great to see a linebacker make an athletic uh, play out in space. Because I saw the receiver coming open, so the fact he was able to dive, I think it was dive out, there, extend, whatever you want to say, get the interception, get his uh, feet down in bounds, and make the play. That was big for the defense, and it really energized the crowd too. You could tell. Yeah, I mean that's a first half interception, and that's a big momentum push. You, you know, you got a team who was up seven nothing at the time. Ernest Jones comes up with that interception on the sideline, stays in bounds. And then uh, gives Gamecocks a lot of momentum, gets the crowd back going on a on a Saturday night crowd, where you don't know how many games you're gonna get at night. If you're South Carolina right now, you need to take every advantage of of it being a night game at Williams Bryce Stadium. That and they did. They kept that got the the fans back juiced up. You got to keep them going in the first half, and you cannot let fans go to sleep on you, and you lose that edge that you just had before the game. With this great, you know, uh, the way South Carolina intros to their football games is is one of the best uh, experiences in the country, and, and I mean a lot of schools do that, but it's eighty thousand here, and, and they had it really loud in their Saturday night, um, and to be able to keep it loud, and and they caused multiple false starts for Kentucky's offensive line and a little confusion. Uh, Muschamp talked about it a little after the game in his press conference, and. Uh, just talking about how loud it was, and it's huge for for 
Ernest Jones to come up with that interception and just keep the crowd going and to give the South Carolina defense confidence. Like, yeah, we got this. Like, we're going to dominate this game, and that's exactly what they did. I will tell you, I was at the game. That game, the atmosphere was definitely electric, especially, like, you know, the kickoff, obviously. Any, I don't know if you noticed, they also added a beat drop to Sandstorm. So that really, and it really <laughs> shakes things up. And this is excellent because it gives the team some confidence going into the bye. It would have been absolutely horrible to go into this bye, what, one and four? But instead, they're going to. Two and three, whatever, but you just got an SEC win. They'll be, I think Muschamp said he's going to give them off till Tuesday. They might watch some film in between then. All the greats do, so I hope they're doing that. And get ready for Georgia. But at least you have something you know to look forward to. It's like, yo, we did it. Let's go do it again. It will be a tall task in uh, between the hedges, but at least you have some momentum coming for you. Exactly, and you don't want to go in. If they're going in, going into the bye week two and three with a win is much better than going into the bye week two and three with a loss. Yeah. Muschamp talked about the importance of having that win, excuse me, going into a bye week uh, last night in his press conference, or Saturday night in his press conference, and, you know, he explained just that. He said, look, it is important that we get a win going into a bye week. You don't want to sit around and have this loss just circulating in the media and around your team and that uh. feeling in the in the locker room and on the practice field that, hey, you guys just lost a game at home against an SEC opponent, um, but it's good to it's good for them to have that win and go into this bye week, and now they can really take, like you said, they're going to take off till Tuesday, uh, so no practice until Tuesday for, for the Gamecocks. They can rest up a little bit and then just get after Florida because now you, all you can focus on is Florida, or excuse me, not Florida, Georgia. All you can focus now on is on Georgia, and this loss is not hanging around in your head. It, it kind of resets the clock for the Gamecocks and for their players so these guys can go out and practice every morning and focus and get it done. And they've got a very tall task ahead of them, but this definitely eases the pressure. And it'll be great for them to get healed up. You know, throughout the season, you get a couple injuries here and there. But to get healed, uh, all healed up because between uh, when they play Georgia, it will be a very physical matchup. You need your what, interior seven to be ready to go, healed up, whatever the case may be, because once you get between those lines, it will be war. Yeah, and it absolutely will. Um, so let's go back. Let's dive into Holinsky a little bit. Holinsky uh, went 15 for 27, 140 yards. No, no TDs from Holinsky. But he had a he had a good game, uh, you know, a little inaccurate at times. But fifteen for twenty seven is is pretty good. Um, but the thing that I, and I saw you quote tweet uh, this picture, this video of him after. But Helensky going into the stands after the game and just congregating with students, and I think he said a quick prayer with with uh, a good group of students there. That is just such leadership, and it just shows his humility. And his ability to connect, like, he, when you watch this kid and he goes out and does something like that after the game, it shows me as, as a viewer that he loves being here. Yeah. And he loves this family. And you cannot pay for that kind of advertisement for your football program than to have your quarterback go into the stands after the game and gather around with just regular students and say a quick prayer or have a quick conversation or whatever he did. And then, 
go, go off and have a great night. I mean, that is just that's incredible. Yeah, and then he was signing all the autographs. I think some of the kids wanted his wristbands. He was saying, I can't give y'all these. I think those were like kind of important to him. So he was giving out like his knee pads and stuff. And I was thinking about this, and it's like a couple things here. One, you never really know what type of kid. Like, you have your ideas, but you never really know what type of kid you're getting, even though you're recruiting until he gets in your program. So it's like, so as I was saying, the NFL, a franchise quarterback, like you see stuff like that with Helensky, and it's like, okay, we got our guy. Like a lot of times it might be like a guy getting here, he's got the uh, a guy gets in here, he has, might have the big head or something like that. You never really know, especially like a five star quarterback. But it's like this is what we thought we had, and this is exactly what he is. And so like, let's build around him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is a kid who's had every, who's earned every right just to kind of be cocky and and not really kind of do this stuff and play the I'm the starting quarterback role. Um, which is there's nothing wrong with that either, but <laughs> Felipe Franks. Yeah, he. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if Felipe's earned it as much as Holinsky has. Right, right. Yeah. Um. So I mean, he threw for over eight thousand yards and eighty five touchdowns in high school, and he travels across the country. He's this California kid, and he has every just right to be like kind of cocky, and, and I don't not concerned with meeting with the. I mean, this isn't like a thing that players should do at all. This is. A way far above and beyond something you normally see from any football player, much less your star quarterback, um, who's a freshman and trying to get his feet on the ground here. And he just he keeps finding ways to earn respect from fans in Columbia and, and students. And people know this kid and they trust him and they kind of they respect him. And you know this is just the kind of stuff that gets people to just love you for for I mean to keep it simple, but. uh yeah, I thought that was very impressive um, and, and very showing of his character. And as I was watching this game, you know, it when you watch, go back and watch the videos on the sideline and you look at the faces and Gamecocks football program tweeted out videos after the game and, and them in the locker room and stuff, this team is, is absolutely playing for Ryan Holinsky. And you look at the faces on the sidelines and as Holinsky's coming over, they're all kind of gathering around him, and he is the main guy. And you can tell he's he's motivated them to want to win and to for them to say, "Hey, this is my quarterback, and I'm going to go out there. I'm going to put on every, uh, I'm going to put on the best performance I can for this kid because I know I'm getting that from him." And that's just the kind of guy Holinsky has proven to be. After the Alabama game, he walks over to the student section and he says, "I'm sorry about that for losing." And that is the kind of guy you want at quarterback. You want you want a guy who wants to win. And you want a guy who wants to connect with the fans and his classmates at school and his team. And that is just a guy Holinsky's proven to be. So he's an incredible athlete on the field. Um, he's not even close to reach his ceiling, I think. Um, I think he'll get there in, in, the, in the coming years. And he'll progress as a player. But as a human being, I mean, he's top just tier. top tier guy. Very humble, you know, wants to be with people. And I just, I don't know how you could, I don't know how you could hate this kid. Yeah, it really can't go uh, too much better this for him. Also, one thing I've noticed, a lot of times you get guys that are really nice and you always wonder, like, how passionate they are. Like, you can visibly see his passion. Whenever he runs out the tunnel, he's usually the first guy out there. When they score, he's super excited. Sprinting out the tunnel. Yeah. So it's like he really can do both of them, which is exactly what you want to see. Because a lot of guys, even though they probably are very confident, you know, or very passionate, they don't show up. It's like I can see everything I need to see. This is exactly if I was the NFL general manager, obviously, when he gets a little bit older. But I'm already checking off that box for him because he's got that factor. 
Yeah, I mean, he looks a little ridiculous with the eye black going all the way across his nose. Like and a he's defense lineman. Yeah, he's just got a line all the way across his face, and it looks kind of funny, but at the same time, it's it's. I mean, whatever gets him going, if you're if you're a gamecock, um, whatever gets your quarterback going, you gotta love. So, I mean, he's the passion is definitely there, and I think he will just get better and better and better. Um, the next, oh, going back to Dowdle real quick. So Dowdle did get injured at the end of the game. Muschamp said after the game that he doesn't have any word on Dowdle yet. Uh, I guess we will find out either Monday as you're listening to this. If you don't know yet, we will probably find out Tuesday uh, when Muschamp meets with the media. And, yeah, that's that's concerning yeah. for, for the Gamecock football team. They do have Feaster. And they do have Mon Denson, who has taken plenty of snaps in the last couple of years for the Gamecocks. But missing Rico Dowdle is huge. Yeah, Mon Denson really came on last year, I think against Ole Miss, if I'm not mistaken, when they had a whole bunch of running backs go out. And so to the point where, well, can't release that. But yeah, there's just no, last year against Ole Miss, he really came along. So, and he's a dev, he's a veteran player too, so it's not like he's a freshman. I think the fourth string guy is out for the rest of the season, right? Uh, the Rura freshman or sophomore running back? Yes. Yes. So it seems like well, so right now it's like a three, well, it's a two-headed thing, and Mon Denson's behind. But in case some Rico is out, then they'll probably have those two. Two will be like the one-two punch, if you will. But luckily, like once again, they have a, a bye week coming up, so therefore they have time to heal him up, and hopefully he's ready to go by next Saturday. I don't expect to hear much unless something, unless someone leaks something to one of the local media members. I don't expect to hear much about Dowdle uh, Tuesday for Muschamp. Just because they're on bye week, and they can keep it under wraps, and they can buy another week, and, and we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Denson's a guy that they trust. I mean, he had ten carries Saturday night uh, for forty-one yards. So he, but he's he's not the player that Rico Dowdle is. Um, but I think he can be a good two for Tavian Feaster if Dowdle is out for any amount of time. Uh, but we'll see. Hopefully, you know, hope he's okay. Hopefully, nothing's wrong with him. Um, and we can continue to watch his greatness on the football field. Um, let's move into some of the things Muschamp said in this press conference. Um, so I don't know if you noticed Muschamp on the sidelines Saturday night wearing wearing the glasses. I didn't even see it. Yeah, so look, look, look up a picture of him real quick, but if you haven't seen it yet, Muschamp's on the, on the sidelines wearing his glasses to like on the tip of his nose, just like an old guy. Hilarious. Um, and... Gamecock Central reporter Colin Taylor asked him after the game. He said, Coach, what is, what's the deal with the glasses? <laughs> and, and is that a tradition now? I guess it's going to keep going. And Muschip said, look, I'm old. I can't read anymore. Especially oh. tonight. You just found You saw it? <laughs> yeah. He looks, he looks kind of ridiculous. I mean, he looks old. He said, you know, I got more gray hairs than I've ever had. And he said, it's been a... Crappy is the word we'll use. Fall, um, and but the best quote was, "My wife doesn't like hanging around losers, and I've been losing." <laughs> this, I, this stuff right here. This is the kind of stuff that, as a fan of football, just draws you into Will Muschamp because is Will Muschamp? He has not shown any signs of being the next greatest football coach of all time. Um, but these kind of little clips, these little <laughs> things, when he relates his family life or his just human nature to, to, 
to the media. And when Muschamp kind of lets go and has a little fun, he is one of the funniest guys to watch give a press conference because when he drops that barrier, he's a very likable human being, and he cracks up. And, and it's always funny to hear football guys, uh, football coaches talk about their their wives because it it relates you to them. Yeah, because these guys are just people. Just act like they're and and they are to a sense. They're just all they do is football, and they are just some kind of weird, strange, alien creature. But when you hear him talk about my wife doesn't like losers, <laughs> or doesn't like losers, and I've been losing, hilarious. That's absolutely hilarious. It's interesting because, especially because Muschamp is usually kind of a stern guy. It's like I think a lot of times people are like scared to like say maybe a joke because they kind of expect them to be like that stern guy all the time. But yeah, when they like start talking about their families, things of that nature, it's really enjoyable. Makes them like kind of human to an extent. And also, a lot of these guys have sons, and they you know they spend a lot of time with their players. So like whenever you catch Muschamp out of like let's say his son's uh, football game or something like that, and like it's like okay, like your people too, like you like to come out here and watch son play just like we do so yeah I think it's definitely great to see and as a matter of fact I think in in Europe like for soccer at least they're pretty sure it's like soccer professional leagues they put more emphasis on like the players family and things of that nature yeah just so do. that therefore it's like okay yeah yeah because like Kevin Hull. the the media definitely does yeah in, in Europe and most parts of the world but here in the U.S. and especially football it's like sports yeah that's it like, like you you coach football. That is who you are. You don't do anything else. But it's cool to hear about like these guys just bring up like my kid did this and this is just they're gonna make fun of me for wearing glasses at the game, but it helped us win or you know, I can't read and it's just kinda funny to hear him take a break from talking about football for a second and just kinda relate to people and just I mean Mushem's a funny guy. Yeah. If you pay attention to him like on when he's not in like a press conference or if he's just having like a if he's on some ESPN show or something he's a pretty funny guy if you get him kind of away from X's and O's or or just talking about regular stuff and he's not in a and you don't catch him after losing to Missouri you know um, (laughs) he's he's a really funny guy and I don't like when he came out in his first press conference here his introductory press conference I can sell ice to an Eskimo look at look at my wife and then look at me. me. I mean, that kind of stuff that makes, I mean, that makes Will Muschamp a likable guy. And there aren't a lot of guys who say the kind of things that he does. But uh, yeah, when he does, I mean, he's fired. Muschamp is just such a football blockhead. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) and these kind of things just kind of just these old school comments that just kind of him cracking wise himself are hilarious. So, Great clip. If you have not seen Muschamp talk about the kind of fall he's had yet, uh, go find it on Twitter. It's on the press conference uh, on the Gamecock Athletic website. They post the whole press conference, and I think it's probably eight minutes in um, if you haven't seen it yet. But, yeah, that was hilarious. He talked a lot about how well the defense did. Um, They didn't give up any points until the fourth quarter. So and they gave up a a big run in the end of the fourth quarter. That garbage time TD. Maybe the defense has kind of already started looking to being done and just saying, "All right, we got this win." It would have been nice for Gamecock fans to see South Carolina get a shutout, but only giving up eight points, seven points, seven points. You cannot complain, especially you know with the way things have gone lately for them. Um, but yeah, just an overall 
great performance from South Carolina. I didn't expect this game to necessarily go like this. I thought it would be a struggle on both ends, and I thought they would both look really nasty in South Carolina. Yeah, they punted the ball like nine times, but they still they scored frequently enough, and the defense was so dominating, and they kept getting motivation that they were fine. Um, I last, ex- go ahead. Okay, I expected uh, Kentucky's quarterback to be able, I know he was the backup quarterback because the starter guy is out. Yep. I expected him to be a little bit better than what he was. He pretty much, he went 11 for 32, which means about a third of, 30% of the times he threw the ball, it actually got in the hands of his receivers. So I expected him to play a little bit better than that. Uh, I think he ended up getting hurt towards the end of the game, correct? He did get hurt. And Len Bowden, Bowen, Bowden, yeah, Bowden, came in for Kentucky, who just does a number of different things for him. That kid, man, if they keep him at, at quarterback, it might be worth turning on some Kentucky football later this year because he's just going to be fun to watch. You know, I'm sure Kentucky, you don't want your star wide receiver playing quarterback taking those hits. But at the same time, last night towards the end of the game, he he was the one who led the drive to get seven points for Kentucky. It, he looked fun. To, he looks like he's going to be pretty fun to watch. Was that the Wildcat guy or was that yes, a different guy? Yes, yeah. He was quote-unquote in the Wildcat, but he is technically their third-string quarterback right now. I saw like earlier in the game when he was throwing the – because I saw them line up in the Wildcat, and I, and I saw him throwing like a couple of screens. I was like, oh, they're real. Like, you know, usually – I guess occasionally you have a guy like throw in the Wildcat. Like, oh, but, you know, most of the time they were powered in doing like a direct snap or whatever. But, yeah, I saw him do a couple of throws. I was like, okay, they're really trying to shake this thing up. But I will tell you one thing. The USC defense the backs did an excellent job of getting off blocks and getting to those receivers on screen plays because it usually is one corner out there. If that receiver makes the block, it could go, you know, be a big game. And these are SEC athletes, so they run pretty fast, jump pretty high, all those things. But yeah, I could say Izzy and JC Horn, who is allergic to catching interceptions, but they did a <laughs> they did a very good job at uh, getting off those blocks. I think they're very physical guys. Yeah, JC seems to struggle with catching the ball. Man, that's the old. That's why he's playing defense line for JC. Great, great defender. He's been yeah. really fun to watch uh, his last couple of years here, and he's progressing. He's getting better. You can you can definitely watch his game and see improvements and see areas where he still needs to improve. Yeah, like catching the football. Right. But uh, it, it is kind of funny you point that out. And the kid, I'm sure he gets ragged on about <laughs> that. In the I can't imagine what his guys say to him in team meeting rooms when they go back and watch the clips of. I don't know. He's probably got more drop passes than the receivers. Team. Yeah, probably. It's, it's pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, I mean, J.C.'s got to haul a few more of those in. And, I mean, it's a joking matter, but at the same time, it is a serious matter. And I think he knows that. But as he continues to grow as an, as a, as an athlete and as a defender, look for him to haul a few more of those in. And he really needs to um, for the Gamecocks to just – be able to keep their turnover margin positive and yeah. grab those chances that they should be getting because they are playing he's playing good defense now you you just have to to make some of those plays that he just hasn't hasn't made but he will get there from everything I've seen from JC Horn and he's been like I just said he was great last year all SEC all freshman SEC right yep yeah and then had the trophy on the back seat in his car just tossed in there like he didn't care <laughs> about it which I you gotta love that attitude. Just to hey, I don't really care about this this award. You know, I'm just trying to be a good player. I'm trying to be better for my team to win. That kind of thing. I mean, I love that kind of attitude, guys. Um, the last thing I want to talk about the South Carolina game is uh, the student section hate that I keep seeing on Twitter. What? What did it say? So there is a picture floating around, 
Uh, multiple pictures. I mean, everyone in the stands has a phone. And, you know, everyone, there's plenty of media there with nice cameras. Passing around pictures of the stadium last night that where the student section had emptied out a lot of it, and they were about 60, 65% full in the third quarter. Um, and all the hate on Twitter from major Gamecock blogs is, oh, look at the student section. This, these kids aren't there, you know? And it's constant hate on the on the students. Hey, guys, how about take a look up in the top of those east side stands and in the bottom section of those east side stands too farther away from the student section? Not the Kentucky section where they sit in the opposite corner in the southeast corner and the southeast top uh, and the southeast upper deck. Look at look at that side and, and you tell me what you see because you see the same thing. So let's not blame this all on students who, you know, have a lot of things to do. You know, they, yeah, they should be there supporting their team. But at the same time, if you're a student and I'm a student still and you're a student still, uh, yeah, going to these games is a lot. I mean, we get these tickets. We've paid for these tickets. Yeah. If you're a South Carolina student, you pay for these tickets in your tuition. So while they are free week to week, week, to week you have paid for them. But yeah, I you know if you want to go to the game for a half, there's no all these kids who are 21, or even if you aren't, you know kids are still drinking alcohol. It's called spade to spade, and they're going in, and you can't get alcohol in the stadium, and you can't re-enter. So once you leave, you leave. And one a few things I think that can help this, and I think the University of South Carolina should talk about, is uh, the fact that you can't leave at halftime and come back in. And if you look at in, your in-state rival Clemson. Their stadiums have shown a pretty good, you know, even before they started winning, uh, like they have been over the last three, four years, three, four, five years, the capacity to stay and, and keep a crowd an entire game, or most of it, you know, in the student section anyway. A, their students have to buy those tickets so they don't get them every week. Yeah. Um, B, I believe it's a little, I believe it's like 2,000 seats smaller. They don't have as many student tickets. As yeah, because it's just that little hill. What we have at USC. Well, they, they have another section too, so they have uh, two sections. The hill is for freshmen. Yeah. Um, I believe in one other group of students and the rest of them students have to buy tickets. So if you're purchasing that ticket that or they're paying just as much as anyone else in the stadium, you're probably staying. And B, Clemson fans can leave at halftime and then re-enter the stadium. So they can run out to their vehicles at halftime, you know, have drink two or three <laughs> more beers and run back in. Uh, do it about, all over again. Yeah, I mean, that's something I think of South Carolina... The University of South Carolina wants to really bring up and discuss. A, you need to discuss bringing alcohol into the stadium. Maybe not in, for the students, because most of those people aren't 21. Well, a good bit of them are. Um, that would keep a lot of your 21-plus crowd in the student section. And B, allow people to reenter. So there you go. And I just don't – it's just frustrating to see it. The reason I bring this up is because I have just saw it multiple times on Twitter in the last you know 24 hours that – Oh, the student section is getting empty and blah, blah, blah. And this constant hate on the, on the students. And it's the same thing every year. Whereas, hey, you take a look around and you can see that throughout the stadium. And I saw a lot of comments of, oh, that's not the home side, uh, which South Carolina, the home bench is on the west side. The west side is mostly Gamecock uh, season ticket holders. So those are people that are there every week. And they're the dedicated, they're the most dedicated of the dedicated. But yeah, let's not act like it's only students leaving early. I mean, this is it. It's hot. You can't drink. You can't come back in. Yeah. There's a few things there that can be fixed to entice students to stay. 
And if you have a mass exodus of people, you know, a couple thousand people leaving, let's not blame them. How about let's blame the problem at the head and not blame the kids who were leaving the 2,000 plus. And let's be real, even though they won that game, you're looking at a team who doesn't have a lot of hope this year. So you're, I mean, you're, you get a good win here, but in the grand scheme of things, you're going to be lucky to make it to 500. Right, right. South Carolina. And that's, frankly, just not a team people want to stick around and see. So there's plenty of things that go into student section being a little empty and the east side being a little empty. And I don't think pointing the blame and making fun of these kids is the direction to go in. And I definitely don't think that's going to be the reason they changed like what they're doing because people are like coming at them a little bit. Yeah, no, like you say, absolutely not. You're not changing anything. It's like you just address the actual issue here, try to come up with a solution, and go move forward from there. And hopefully, that the students will. Well, obviously, if you address the issue, then they, they all come up to some sort of conclusion, and therefore you have a better rate of retention. Yeah, there's a lot of things that can be done to change that kind of look in the stadium, but you want to keep that that because. And I get it. I get the complaints because they want fans want to keep that same electricity throughout the entire game that's there right before it. But the constant hate on the students every single year, every single year I've been here at USC, it is the same thing every week. It is just, oh, we're going to hate on the students because they leave early. Look around the country. The same thing has happened at every other stadium for the most part. And, and there are plenty of things that can be done to fix that. So I think just... Being an old man yelling at a cloud, a bunch of eighteen <laughs> to twenty-two year olds, and telling them, "Oh, you can't leave. That's you're not solving anything. How about help them out? How about try to entice them to stay instead of just coming at them?" Is kind of more what I'm getting at. But all right, we'll move on from that. So speaking of Clemson, we just mentioned Clemson a little bit with, with in that segment. Got away with one in Chapel Hill. Clemson definitely got lucky. It was crazy because Howell is it? What's his first name? Two. Oh, the quarterback for North Carolina? I don't know his first name, but Howell is his last name. Freshman quarterback. He actually was recruited heavily by Clemson. I'm pretty sure they offered him. He decided that he didn't want to go there and be Trevor Lawrence backup. So instead, he stayed at, uh, he decided to commit to North Carolina. And Sam Howell. By Sam Howell. And they almost left Chapel Hill. I guess they would stay in Chapel Hill. Clemson almost left Chapel Hill with the loss. I absolutely, first of all, a couple things here. T. Higgins really came back alive for Clemson. Justin Ross has really like stole out of Sean, but T. Higgins really showed what he was a five star recruit in that game. I don't even know his stats, but I know they were insane. I don't Mac Brown, I love what's going, but I really wish he would have kicked that extra point and went into overtime. I get it though, because it's like if y'all make that, if y'all score right there, it's huge on your fan base. Y'all got the league, you might go on and win that game. But I really, really wish. Like when in Madden, I do that sometimes where I go for two just to go ahead and try to win. But in this game, y'all are playing well. Let's just take this thing to overtime. But I understand either way. And like uh, as right now, I'm like, oh, uh, but if it would have worked out, I'd have been excited for it. See, him. I, I, I disagree with you a little there because I think Mac Brown made the right play call. You're playing the number one team in the country. They haven't lost in, you know, two years or whatever it was. The last time they lost to Alabama was in last loss they had was to Alabama in like January of twenty eighteen. So they won how many ever games straight? Like nineteen, I think, at this point. You got you gotta be gutsy. And we talked about it when South Carolina played Alabama. You gotta make some play calls that just hey, they're they're risky. I love the move to go for two at the end of the game. I will never fault the coach for going for it when they have a good drive and they just built momentum at the end of the game. But the execution and and the play call, I wasn't sure about because it looked to me like they tried to run like a 
read uh, like a RPO yes, speed option. Yes, the read. Oh my god, I saw the read option. I'm like, that's not the play for that. Oh yeah, go ahead. And then, <laughs> and then like I sense your frustration. The quarterback doesn't doesn't pitch it to his running back and just eats. He see he's got three Clemson defenders in his face and he just eats the eats the the hit behind the line instead of just tossing it off. And trying to get it to someone else to get into the end zone, and then so, he yeah, and then the he throws at the end, he out of bounds. It really was not the best play call there. I was like, if you're gonna have a play there, I feel like you practice this moment, not necessarily that moment, but you know, five yards in, you usually practice that on either Wednesday or Thursday. Make sure you got you know what you're gonna do in the situation. I'm sure that was like on the back of the list of the play calls. I didn't understand it, but I get what you're saying. Definitely about going in and going for, it, especially when you build up momentum. That was a really good point. Yeah, so I mean, Mac Brown, you almost had enough luck. Uh, with the with the Jordan shoes we talked about on Friday's episode. Oh it yeah, almost gave him enough luck to win, but it just wasn't wasn't there. But Clemson fans, Clemson football, wake up! Yeah, they're sleepwalking through the season. We've we've talked about it a little last week. You better wake up because you have probably the best team in the country talent wise. But they are not playing like it, and it was very apparent on Saturday. It, it finally started to catch up with them. This has got to be a wake-up call for him because you can't sleepwalk through the season. And this is kind of the point I always go back to with, with Clemson and any other team that's not in the SEC or in the stronger conference, whichever year it is, and the Big Ten, it ten, tends to float. Yeah. You know, one side that's stronger and one side that's not. But um, you if, this, if they go play another team like this next week and the next week and the next week, one of them catches them. Yeah. Your only problem is UNC was probably going to play you the tightest all year in the ACC anyway. Uh, but you better wake up. Yeah. If you want to make it to the college football playoff. Because right now it looks like you were just sleepwalking in and the teams you're playing are just bad enough to lose and they're just going to give you an undefeated record instead of them working for it. And that should have been a game that they should have won by 30 points. Yeah. No, I mean, the line was 27. 27. <laughs> if you, Vegas knows what they are doing. I mean, I know what I'm doing more because I had a great week in picks, by the way. We'll get to it. But uh, Vegas knows their stuff. 27-point favorites, you need to be winning that game by 27 points if you're Clemson. Because it it, it is just, it, they look just not good. And I, I went back and watched the highlights, a lot of it, and then I saw the end of the game, a good bit of the end of the game. And they were like, ah, we don't really know what to do. And they just look like, yeah, I get how do you motivate a team that's won 18, 19 straight, whatever it is now. So I don't know if that's the issue or if they're just playing conservative. If I, I just don't get it. Lawrence has underperformed this year. Trevor Lawrence is just out of the Heisman discussion now. Even if he had a phenomenal year for the rest of the year, didn't throw a pick, I don't think he can win it because Clemson won't. He won't have the the resume that other quarterbacks will, uh, like Tua and, and even Jalen Hurts, and um, which is a strong statement with him playing Big Twelve defenses. That tells you what I think of the ACC, right? And uh, and some other teams like that, and other quarterbacks like that, and this this kind of stuff it hurts you. So and it hurts Etn too because I think he was more of a threat than Lawrence to win the Heisman. Just because I, I kind of saw, uh, I thought we were going to get a little regression from Lawrence, but uh, and, and I just knew Etn, older guy, 
and he's played his tail off the last couple of years. Yeah. And, and I thought he would be more of the threat there for the Heisman. But I, this isn't this hurts him too. Yeah, this really hurts him. I, neither one of these guys really had a Heisman moment either. And no. there's not one coming up because there's no really— They don't have anyone to play that's going to give them a Heisman moment. Because, like, for example, like the quarterback for LSU and Alabama, those two will play on CBS, hoping it'll be a night game. And so that one of those will probably most likely have to make a play for their team, and that will give them that moment that they need. But yeah, Trevor Lawrence with 18 for 30, so complete a little bit over more than half of his passes— uh, 206 yards, one touchdown against a subpar. It just didn't really look very good for the Clemson Tigers. I don't know what da- – Dabo usually always has something up his sleeve. I can't imagine what he's thinking about. But I, he's definitely going to have to do something to wake these guys up. Because like you said, usually some team gets catches you uh, slipping on the upset alert. Like I said, in ACC, it's kind of hard to find that team. But, it is. But definitely – and also, you don't want to be playing subpar and then have to get gear all the way up during the playoff because there are some teams out there like the Alabamas and the Georgia who've been playing good competition all year. So their level of competition is higher than yours. So the Tigers hopefully will – well, go to USC, so I don't really care if they figure it out or not. But it'll be interesting to see how they continue <laughs> the season to figure out when they uh, get rolling. Yeah, I mean, and you look around the country, and Alabama hasn't played their best ball either. Right. You know, I believe both them and Clemson are kind of having similar seasons. Bama a little better, yeah, uh, because Tua has lived up to expectation, Completely. and Trevor Lawrence has not, and Alabama's receiving core has as well. They've surpassed. I mean, they had a guy yesterday with what four touchdown passes, Brendan? Yeah, four. Four touchdown receptions. Uh, for you know that's just absurd. But they haven't played like the number one team. They haven't really separated themselves, and Clemson should have already separated themselves from the rest of the pack. By dominating. And the only team that I think has done that, separated themselves from the rest of their conference so far, is Ohio State. Because Ohio State went to Nebraska and beat the brakes off of Nebraska this weekend. I mean, just absolute wagon of a t- football team right now. And they, they crushed it. What was the final score here? Where'd it go? There we go. 48-7. to seven. Good God. They go to Lincoln, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska and beat them like that? Yeah. And I mean, this is college game days here. And I figured this game would be... You know, two or three touchdowns, and Nebraska would hang around for a little while. No, I would completely wrong. <laughs> Never had a shot. I mean, Fields is killing it up there for Ohio State, and Ohio State is just running over everybody they're playing right now. He was showing that that was a really good move. I think a couple people questioned him leaving. Well, and I think a lot of people are also trying to figure out how was he going to be able to get that year, uh, be able to play immediately, you know, since he didn't graduate. But because of the emergency thing, he was able to do it. And he has definitely shown that that was the right decision. He went 15 for 21 for 200. Good God. Okay, he went 15 for 21 for 212 yards and three touchdowns. The running back, J.K. Dobbins, went 24, had 24 carries for 177 yards. That running back over there, he's really good. Uh, he's not necessarily just as good as the guy in Wisconsin at Wisconsin, but he's definitely not too far behind him. Both power backs. Yeah, I mean Ohio State is they are just rolling right now, and this is kind of team right now. You put Clemson and Ohio State on a neutral field, Ohio State looks like they would just walk all over them. I think Clemson would be favored in that game, and Clemson definitely has the players to win. Yeah, there's no question they have the athletes to win against anyone in the country, but they are not playing like it, and and I mean. This is it. When you play a subpar, you know, a conference that just plays subpar, you can't always you can't control the the competition of your opponents necessarily. But you got to go out and you got to just dominate, separate yourself. And Ohio State has done that, Clemson has not. And this is I mean, UNC 
has just got to be a wake-up call for Clemson. And I'll tell you one thing. I think that uh, Ryan Day, whenever Urban Meyer was suspended at the beginning of last season, if I'm not mistaken, yes. suspended, that really helped Ryan Day kind of learn what it was going to be like to be the uh, head coach. And now that he's the head coach, it's really been a seamless transition, to be honest with you. A couple it times has. I've seen on FS1, yeah, FS1, uh, Ryan Day sits down with Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer is asking him a question. I'm like, Urban, you know the answer to these questions. <laughs> you literally brought him into this role. It's, it's been great to see. Ohio State will keep rolling. They do play Wisconsin. I'm pretty sure in the regular season since they're both in the Big Ten, so I'll definitely look yeah, forward to seeing that game. And Penn, and Penn State also play very Penn well. Penn State smacked Maryland Friday night. We talked about it a little on Friday's episode. I thought it was going to be – I thought Maryland had a chance to go in there and kind of make something happen. Boy, I was wrong. Just Penn State just smacked them. Took care of business. Um, 59 to nothing or something like that. Not even close. Uh, we kind of alluded to a little bit, but Alabama smacked – Mrs. Ole Miss over the weekend, so there's a few teams in the top five that are just rolling, in the top ten that are just rolling. And Clemson's only win that looked decent at the time, Texas A&M at home, looks a lot worse after Saturday. Yeah, most Cause, definitely. Because A&M almost slipped up to Arkansas in Jerry World. Um, and, yeah, Arkansas should not be hanging on. with your. If you consider yourself a good football team, you shouldn't. Arkansas shouldn't be allowed to be in the same state as you. you yeah. Know, at, at any given time, and Arkansas absolutely had every chance to win this game, and they had a drive at the end of the game, and they just they just couldn't get it going. And uh, yeah, A and M got a big time gets away with them. A and M should not be in the top twenty five after that performance. Yeah. I, I love when you know this. This is kind of like bias of oh we know this team is is supposed to be good, so we're gonna throw a number beside their name. Cut them out. They haven't. I mean, they've lost two pretty big games to A to Clemson at Clemson and a Clemson team that we just talked about has looked underperformed this year a little. So, and that game they got smoked in. And then they lose to Auburn at home. Uh, they they come back and make it a little closer than it, than it really was because Auburn came out and just punched them in the mouth straight from the start. And an Auburn team I kind of believe in. Yeah. But a lot of people seem that they don't – there's a lot of media that just doesn't believe in, in Auburn. I think, you know, Auburn and Georgia – I think Georgia's a little bit ahead of Auburn. Yeah. But Auburn can definitely beat that Georgia team. And Auburn can always beat Alabama just because of the emotion into that game. That comes and with I, the Iron Bowl. Yeah. And, and I think LSU right there with Georgia just a little bit above Auburn. But Auburn goes into A&M, and I thought A&M was right there with, with Auburn going into that game. Auburn just smacked them. And you got to look at A&M, and, they, I mean, there's, they're not a top 25 football team right now. They're not playing well, and, and Jimbo's got to get them together. So, I mean, they've still got a lot of – they've still got LSU at the end of the year. They haven't played Bama yet. So, I mean, they're looking – they're staring down the barrel of 7-5 right now, which is not what you thought you would see from Texas A&M at the, end of, at the beginning of the year. I, I think- mean, they've already – they've – They've already lost two games, and they really should have lost Saturday. I think that they uh, maybe they thought it was going to be a little bit quicker turnaround with Jimbo as for as far as turning of what they were into like this national championship comp- uh, competitor, I guess you could say. But I think it's going to take a little bit longer. There's still some things to do. Luckily, they have big money out there, and uh, recruits like to go. You know, recruits in Texas definitely see them as a serious contender. So we'll see how that program continues to evolve. But this year will not be that year. Yeah, and Auburn. Uh, I mentioned them a little there. They smacked Mississippi State yesterday, 56-23. Thought that was going to be a decent game. <laughs> just really wasn't. There, I mean, there are a lot of games that just weren't very good uh, this weekend, and, which kind of sucks, but 
as we talked about at the top of the show, it's it's about to get better. We're about to get real. Um, oh, really quickly, I'm trying to see right here, uh, Auburn, to see how much our guy threw for. Bo better? Hicks. Yeah, he threw. Ooh, great game for him. 16 for 21, 335 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, they just laid it on Mississippi State. And Mississippi State, uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, or last week against Kentucky, they looked good. Kentucky just has proven, you know, at South Carolina this weekend, they are just not as good as what a lot of people thought they would be. What Certainly not what I thought they would be. I, I thought they would be a lot better. They they easily could have went into Mississippi State and won that game with the team that they have. And they easily should have came to Columbia this weekend and beat South Carolina with the way South Carolina's been playing. But they just laid, you know, just didn't do it. Didn't do it either time. It got beat pretty handily at both times on the road. And those are two tough road matchups. Yeah, but uh, you got to find you Kentucky. You got to find a way to split that those two. You got to you got to win one of those to have a good season. So Kentucky is just looking good, and they're really banged up. You know, like we mentioned, they're on to their third uh, quarterback now. But yeah, they just they fell so far from last year, and, and Mark Stoops has just got to kind of reload up there in Lexington and, and figure it out again next year because it, it's looking tough for Kentucky right now. Uh, another team that hasn't played Georgia yet. So as we move on, oh here here's something I want to talk about. Uh, I did you see Mike Leach? He so uh, Washington State got beat again last night to Utah on the road at Utah, uh, and they lost thirty eight to thirteen. Mike Leach came out and just called his team soft. He says of the coaching staff, we've let them evolve into a soft team, and they are soft. <laughs> I just. To double yeah, down on it. There's a two- or three-minute clip floating around uh, on Twitter of Mike Leach talking about his football team and how soft they are, and it is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and, every, you know, we talk about Mike Leach. I think we've mentioned Mike Leach press conferences in every every episode. He's our favorite Pac-12 quarter, which uh, is, head coach. Yeah, which is fine with me. I mean, I love Mike Leach. I, I love talking about him, and, and he's hilarious, national treasure. But he has never shown signs of not being willing to call out his team. You know, when he was at Texas Tech, he had the famous uh, press conferences where he, he said about his Texas Tech players that they were all worried about what their fat little girlfriends think. <laughs> <laughs> fat little girlfriends was the quote that he used. And if you have not seen that press conference, <laughs> go look it up. It's on YouTube, and it is just search Mike Leach, fat little girlfriends. It'll, it'll come up for you. Uh, I've watched it a few times. But, yeah, just calling your team soft. In a press conference after the game is hilarious. And then also he continued to say they're fat, dumb, happy, and entitled. So you just you gotta love your coach. He's gonna tell you exactly how it is. Kind of like the head ball coach used to do it. He's just gonna tell you exactly how he feels about the team. He can go walk in and say, We'll be ready for next week, but it, it just this is where we currently stand. Yeah, all right. I wanna go back to when we were talking about Clemson for a second. And we'll kinda this will kind of wrap down college some of college football stuff. Danny Cannell, the person I hate most in the world in the media. I know it's not a – just cannot stand him. I know it's a hard concept to grasp, especially in this era of, quote, eye test, end quote, and, quote, strength of schedule, end quote, and, quote, style points, end of quote. But the defending champ is the champ until someone knocks them off. For the champ, all that matters is winning. Crazy philosophy, right? No, you moron. <laughs> no, Danny, the champ is not the champ until they got knocked off. And Joel Klatt pretty much said back to him exactly what I was thinking when I first saw this. 
Uh, Joel Klatt is a college football analyst for Fox Sports. Yeah, FSU. Um, yep, great, great guy to watch. Really interesting, really entertaining, um, and a pretty good football mind. He says to Danny, says back to Danny Cannell on this. I guess losing half their defense doesn't matter. Speaking of Clemson, college football teams have a life of one year. That's it. The turnover is so fast with the quick cycle of roster due to graduation, early draft, transfers, and injuries. Every team should be evaluated on how they play that season. And I cannot agree with Joel Klatt more. What, Danny Cannell, what are you talking about? Clemson <laughs> should be number one. And this was kind of a response to, I think, a lot of the hate last night of, of going on Twitter. Of the, I saw all over college football message boards and main ESPN tweets. I always scour the comments to see what fans around the country are thinking. Everyone is just saying, you know, Clemson is not where they need to be. And everyone's like, Ohio State is much better than them. And, and that is kind of seems to be the general thought of college football fans. And I have to agree with a lot of that. Um, but for Danny Cannell to come out and respond to that and say, oh, they're just the champ until, until someone beats them. No, you dummy. <laughs> the college football is so year to year. This is not the Patriots you were building in the upstate of South Carolina. Because the Patriots can re-sign everyone. Clemson cannot re-sign anyone. And no one in college football can re-sign. You have max four years. And the turnover is so fast. You cannot evaluate a team this year on how they played last year. That is just the nature of college football. And that is why fans love it so much. Because it changes so drastically. Your team can be 0-12 one year. And then be undefeated the next, just like UCF was three or four years ago. And that's a, that's kind of a stretch in most conferences. Yeah. Uh, but yes, you can come from the bottom to the top very quickly in college football because of that turnover effect. And um, I, I just cannot, I'm just staggered by Danny Cannell's stupidity again. <laughs> because if you look down at anything he says, he's just the dumbest guy. And I don't know how he has a job in, in college football media. Because he says he's an, old, an ex-Florida State quarterback, and he just regurgitates everything from the ACC. He tries to be like the Paul Feinbaum of the ACC, but he's not funny. He doesn't look as good as Paul Feinbaum <laughs> with his bald head and his big ears, Paul, and his glasses. <laughs> he doesn't have near the fan base. ACC fans just aren't as passionate outside of maybe Clemson, Virginia Tech, Florida State, three or four school there. Yeah. And across the conference, they just aren't as uh, into it as SEC fans are in football because SEC schools are all in some way mostly related on football with the exception of maybe Vanderbilt right? and Kentucky. Um, but it's it's not the same, and he tries to be the same voice for the ACC and just say, oh, you guys hate on how we don't play anyone, and you say this, but this team is better than this team. And last year it was his NC State takes were – Oh, NC State is better than every uh, second-tier team, you know, second-tier in the SEC, uh, like the Auburns of last year and the LSUs of last year, those teams right behind Bama and Georgia. NC State is just as good as them. I remember that was a big thing of his. And you cannot watch college football and tell me that NC State last year was as good as an LSU or an uh, or a, a excuse me, a blank, or a Florida from this year, or a Florida from last year, or any of those teams. It's just ridiculous. And this is the other tweet I wanted to talk talk about of his. No need to wait till tomorrow. This is Danny Cannell from Saturday night. Uh, after five weeks of college football, the hashtag DK Top 8. 
Number one, Clemson. Number two, Bama. Number three, Ohio State. Number four, Oklahoma. Number five, Georgia. Number six, Auburn. Number seven, LSU. And number eight, Wisconsin. Danny, have you seen any football this year? <laughs> because if you want to have this, this oh, look at me poll, and you want to get some clicks and stuff, I mean, I guess he's getting clicks, but you want it to be reasonable and for people to actually think you, you have some knowledge of the game, your list would be much different because you wouldn't have shoved Auburn and LSU. You certainly would have not shoved LSU down to seven. And Wisconsin, I don't think, would be that far down either. Just, I could, yeah, Wisconsin eight, I'm, I'm fine with that. But, you know, his big point here is that Clemson is still head and shoulders above Bama and everybody else when they, in fact, are not. And we just discussed this. If you have watched college football, you have seen that these other teams are taking care of business on a very regular basis. LSU went to Austin and beat Texas in a very hostile environment against a very good football team. Their top four team. Georgia just beat Notre Dame. Oklahoma, I think, is on the is there in the top six, but not in my top four, just because they haven't really had a big game yet. And that'll change a little when they play Texas, but I think by then, LSU and, and Auburn and, and those schools of the world will have kind of settled in or figured their place out, Georgia too. Um, and, and usually what we see is a bunch of SEC top-heavy beginning of the season, and, and there ends up only being like three or so at the end because the other teams have kind of beat them up, and you can't have four teams from the same division in the top ten. It just, yeah, that it just would... doesn't work because <laughs> those teams just lose at each other and they prove who the best is. But I, I, I don't know. I just can't stand Danny Cannell. And I don't know how you feel about him, <laughs> but the guy is an idiot. And if you take anything he says and use it in an argument with your buddies or at a bar talking to some other you know, college football fan or uh, after church talking to your friend's dad or preacher or whoever, just consider yourself a loser of that argument and turn off every TV, Twitter account, everything you have, and just go lock yourself in a dark room and look at that because that's going to give you more insight on how college football works than Danny Cannell can. Right now, if <laughs> God, right now, if you had to rank your top four teams, who would you rank in like what order? Uh, I, it's hard to put Clemson out of it. That's that's my whole thing. I'm like starting to get at here. I'm like Clemson based off of purely this year's like. Um, Performance, like if I would have them ranked, I know you kind of performances of the year. I wouldn't. I, they would be maybe number ten, probably not even that high. Yeah, but if college football. Who would I want in my college football playoff? Yeah, I, I think I'd have to have Clemson in there because I think they're one of the four teams who are. I don't like to use the word deserving. I like a mixture of deserving and, and proven the the like ability to be able to come in there and compete. Yeah. And they can definitely compete with any of those teams. I mean, I've said multiple times now that Clemson can absolutely beat any team in the country on a neutral field, but they sure have not been playing like it. But I think right now I would have to go Bama number one. Yeah. Because Bama's just taking care of business. Yeah, they gave up 30 points to Ole Miss, but they still won by 30. So whatever. And this is the worst defense that Saban's had there. Yeah. They're just, they're banged up in places and they just haven't, they just don't look as good. Um, and, and we have, I'd probably stick, I don't know, maybe Georgia 2, LSU 3. And I'm a huge SEC guy, so that's obviously going to it's gonna look SEC-weighted, and it is. Um, I, and I'd go LSU 3 and Clemson 4, maybe. And then right outside of that bubble, I have maybe Ohio State 5 and, and Oklahoma 6. And not to say that Oklahoma and Ohio State can't beat the LSUs and the Georgias, but they don't have the wins that LSU and Georgia do. 
on the road to Texas for LSU, and Georgia at home against Notre Dame in a game that they played very conservatively on offense and didn't really take a lot of chances, and they still won. And, and yeah, there was a little drama, but nothing major. It, you know, it looked the whole time like Georgia was going to win, uh, from my perspective anyway. So I, I just it's hard to leave Clemson out of it uh, because I do think they're one of the best teams, one of the four best teams, and they can compete with any of these teams. But they certainly have not played like it, and they certainly, if we're going by deserving of being in a college football playoff, no, no shot, not deserving at all. Most definitely. Also, in the big, do you consider the ACC a much better? Con- I mean, the Big Twelve much better conference than the ACC. I there see that's tough because the Big Twelve has the defenses are just they're always get you know kind of pushed down by college football watchers, and the defenses aren't very good in the Big Twelve. There are some good teams there, man. There's, yeah. You got Oklahoma, you got Texas. Oklahoma State's a good team. Uh, don't forget about them. You've got their number 21 in today's AP poll. Um, and you've got an Iowa State team who's who's pretty good. And you, West Virginia was good. They've kind of fallen off since now that Coach Dana's left. And, uh, you know, you have other teams in there. You, I think you have more teams that can beat the top teams in the Big 12 than you do in the ACC. Yeah. Because this is North Carolina's best chance, and they still couldn't quite do it against Clemson. And I think it said more about Clemson than not being prepared than it did about North Carolina being able to beat Clemson. So uh, I, I do think that you can see Texas beat Oklahoma. I, that game is a toss-up. I don't right if I had to pick that right now, I I don't know who'd win. So I mean, I'll watch them both. Uh, Texas was off this week, I believe. So I'll watch them next week, and we'll see how. Texas is, and um, but I don't know. Like those teams, are, you have two very good, legitimate teams right there, and in the ACC, you only have one. So I just have to put the Big Twelve ahead of them, and it's just that's just the nature of the beast, and that's how it has been in the ACC for the last you know fifteen years. It was Florida State for a long time, and now Florida State has just become Clemson has just become Florida State. There was maybe a year or so there where they kind of overlap, but that was it. Um, all right, the only other thing. I want to touch on in college football was taking a look back at my picks of the week. Um, oh, this this too. Uh, college game day will be at Florida next week for Auburn, Florida. That'll be a good one. That should be a great one. Yeah. So make sure you make sure you watch uh, game day. If you don't watch game day, you know, fine, whatever. But I, I mean, I think it's fun to watch. It's always fun to watch and see where game day goes, and they kind of pick the game of the week. That's pretty cool. But yeah, back to what I was saying before. Friday, I gave you Duke money line, Northwestern plus twenty four and a half, and Oklahoma State minus four at home against K State. I obviously could not have been more correct. Three and zero. Duke <laughs> absolutely torched Virginia Tech on Friday night. Just domination. I wasn't expecting that, but great performance from Duke. It's been fun to watch Duke kind of be good because for a long time in our lives, Matthew, they were terrible. I mean, the only time they've ever really been good at football is when Steve Spurrier was there in the late 80s. Uh, Northwestern-Wisconsin was a pretty good game. I knew Northwestern would keep that one kind of close, and North and Wisconsin did end up winning by nine points. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was that was just 24-and-a-half for Wisconsin to have to cover I knew it would just be too much. Weird uniform pants from Wisconsin this weekend. They were wearing beige pants with with uh, the regular red, badger red jerseys and, and white kind of throwback helmets. Um, and the beige pants just threw me off. <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw them yet, but go look at them. They're, they're, they looked weird. And, and then I had Oklahoma State 
minus four Saturday night. So tune in. Take my picks on Friday. I'm trying to give you free money. Tell your friends to listen. <laughs> you know, if they want free money, I don't know. Maybe if you like free money, tune in. So in the NFL, the only thing I kind of have right now is NFL games are still going on as we're recording. J.D. Clowney had a big pick uh, right at the start of 4 o'clock games today. So On Kyler Murray, right? Former, yep. Yep. Former Gamecock, great, picked off Kyler Murray, took it to the house, picked six for J.D. Uh, Patrick Mahomes earlier had a solid, solid two-minute drill against the Lions. I really thought the Lions were going to pull it out against Kansas City there for a while. Um, <laughs> I saw a video of after the the game, the Chiefs went on, drive down the field, they end up beating the Lions. The Lions get 20, se- 20 seconds to throw the ball down the field, and they try to hail Mary, it just didn't work. Um Matt Patricia's got a pretty good team there for Kansas City to struggle. Yeah. I mean, he got a pretty good team. But I saw Andy Reid after the game in the locker room. All of Mozart's paintings weren't pretty. I don't know if you know anything <laughs> about Mozart, but Mozart was definitely not a painter. So oh, he was gosh. a composer. Uh, shout out to Andy Reid. Great. Good looks there. I mean, don't don't hate it. So uh, don't don't hate the saying. Maybe, maybe we'll let that one hang around. Um, and... Daniel Jones got the Giants a big win against Over the, the Redskins, Redskins right? Yeah, yep. I think twenty-four to three. Torch, not even close. Twenty-four to three is huge. Three touchdowns in the NFL is, is a lot. Dan- uh, Daniel Jones is really providing the Giants a little bit of hope there. I think they're really kind of rallying behind him. Uh, I got Sterling Shepard on fantasy, so I hope he had a good game. But uh, yeah, it's it's really exciting to see them have like a little bit of like. So most people thought the Giants season gonna be like kind of you know die off, and obviously it's a long season, so we're gonna see whenever they start playing some a uh, lot more better teams. But it's just kind of nice to see him provide some new energy. You hear a lot of people say he looks just like Eli Manning used to look, and so but he's a little bit more mobile. I think he I think he's really fast. I think he's like a four. Six four seven guy, but I'm sure the New York newspapers are loving to see uh, the team doing well, so they have plenty to talk about. Yeah. Um, also, we had huge matchup against Cleveland and Baltimore. Very entertaining. Uh, Cleveland was just too much for him today. 40-25 Cleveland. But yeah, that was fun. Kind of Nick Chubb went off today. Did you see that long run? Yeah, I think it was like seventy yards. I didn't. I didn't think he had that. Uh, that boost. Like whenever he was He's at got Georgia, the acceleration, dude. He took off running. I'm like, okay, surely the corners will. If not a uh, not a safety, a corner will catch up to him. He took off running, separated out. He was running like he looked like girly. Yeah, I mean Chubb. Chubb's sick. He he had a great game. What do you have? Uh, 165 rushing yards and three touchdowns today. So pretty solid. I think 20 attempts. Couple things um, there. It's crazy to think him, girl, girly Michelle, and um, what's the other one that plays in girl and Chubb all were at the back foot at one time in Georgia. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like that's a, that's a squad right there. And also, did you see what that um, I can't twenty Marlon Humphrey did to Odell Beckham Jr. He like choked son him in the game, and then like Odell's like laying there on the ground. Marlon still has his hand around his neck. I was like, yo, that's too deep. Like, and then the crazy thing is the ref is like sitting there looking at him. I'm like, yo, like he is choking. Check it out on Twitter. He's like literally like choking Odell out. A lot of people hate Odell. I always wonder what Odell's doing to make these people hate him. Like, you know, during the games and stuff. And that is that <laughs> and that is that Alabama LSU rivalry, I guess, in the game. But I was like, like, holy I'm pretty sure I'm sure the NFL will catch this. There will be a, a nice little fine for a month. Oh yeah, that's probably a twenty grand move there. Um Odell didn't have it. He he had a pass today in the game. Slung it, gave it too much arm. Really? Yeah, 
Yeah, that was in the first half, I believe. I mean, he probably got it was like forty yard pass. He just overthrew his guy a little bit. But hey, OBJ's got a, got an arm too. He's got a wing on him. Um, and heading into the third quarter, I'm gonna check it out. But heading to the third quarter, he had no catches. Uh, then he ended up having one. They got it called back. But I'm gonna check into that. The, I love watching. I don't watch too much of the uh, the Ravens, but I love watching Lamar Jackson when he has that team going. Especially because a lot of people didn't like him originally as a quarterback and how he drives the team down. Seems like he has complete control. One of their tight ends missed a pass or something like that. Or uh, Lamar had the wrong read, and so he went to the sideline, threw his helmet down. But we love passion. There's nothing to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, so we've got that. That's going to just about wrap it up. We got one more segment for you. But we got baseball. Baseball just ended today. Um, I just got an alert on my phone that the Red Sox walked off the Orioles for the uh, at the end of the 162nd game. I mean, great for them, I guess. I'm a huge Red Sox fan. Just giant disappointment this year. Go get a GM, please, John Henry. Don't <laughs> just get us something nice. We know you got the money. I mean, the guy, he just won a World Series, and he owns a soccer club in Europe, and they just won the Champions League, which is the biggest thing club soccer can win in Europe. So you've got the money, John. Just go get me something nice. Go get me some starting pitching help, too. A little close, closer would be nice. Resign Mookie Betts. Do all of these things and pray that the Yankees don't win the World Series. Uh, we got baseball baseball postseason coming this week. I think the Braves play Thursday night. The games start. We got wild card games early in the week, uh, two, Monday, Tuesday, and maybe Tuesday, Wednesday. And then the postseason starts. The actual playoffs start Thursday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We'll have some games. That'll be fun to get into to look back at baseball. Um the last thing we want to talk about today, Matt, you went out to another high school game this past Friday night. Where'd you go? Yes, I hit the roads, hit, was I-77? I don't know, I'm just talking. But anyway, uh, went out to Camden, South Carolina, watched my alma mater, uh, Richland Northeast, play Camden. Richland Northeast looked horrible. The final score <laughs> was 53 to nothing. I think it was 40, it, it was like 28 to nothing, 30-35 with two minutes left to go in the second quarter. So I decided to stick it out. Um, obviously, Camden has a good team, not nearly as good as Gilbert, but they do have a running back name. What's this kid's name? Willis Lane. He's like he's on five foot ten, one hundred sixty five pounds. But it seems like he's kind of the red. The who is that? The Cardinal said this thing about Kyler Murray. Whenever you watch his film, it looks like he's moving a lot faster than everybody else. That's exactly how that running back for Camden looked. And I think he, I don't know if he has any looks so far, but he's a really good back for them. Either that or the Richmond Northeast run defense is just that egregious. Also, <laughs> speaking of Kyler Murray, you have uh, the Richmond Northeast quarterback. He's like a sophomore. His name is Isaac Junius, and I think he's going to be good in time right now. He's just too small, but he's like, okay, he's 5'5". Five five. That's not his uh, look. But anyway, it's 135 pounds. He's playing quarterback. And it, small. That is such a tiny kid playing quarterback. Varsity football. It's like, you know, usually guys tackle him. Well, they kind of pick him up and put him back where they want him and then hit him. It's really a sad thing to watch. Uh, whenever we throw the ball, it's like we're praying, and the receivers usually don't catch it. Uh, we got a long way to go. Uh, I would say the player you should look for. Our not too good. No, we haven't been good in a minute. Hopefully, we, we, we're going to start paying some players. That's what we need to do. We're just going to get them from Georgia. We're going to pay them. We're going to come and play high school football, get an education. <laughs> not, not a bad look if you want them to win. So, all right. I think that's it for today. I can't think of anything else. How about you? Yep, that's it. All right. So, like, we would 
like to remind you this has been a production of Garnet Media. We would like to say a special thank you to Ben Sound for our intro and outro music for the show. Uh, get at us on Twitter, at the lead underscore block, Twitter and Instagram. Follow us. Uh, we will be posting social clips throughout the week, recapping little, clip, little clips of the podcast. So if you don't catch us as soon as we come out, watch clips, then that'll show you what we're talking about. And then share them, retweet, like, tag your buddies. Uh, follow Matthew at Matt the Chosen One on Twitter and Instagram, and follow me at Tyler Walter CNR on Twitter. Um, and we're gonna be coming at you with a new episode on Friday. Yep. So no game for the Gamecocks next week or Clemson. They're both on buys. Um, actually, they both have. Well, no, only Clem- only South Carolina has a second buy. So they both have two buys now in college football. South Carolina's next buy is in November, um, and. I th- Clemson's is as well, but I think it's the week before South Carolina's second one. But we will keep you updated on all of college football Friday. Looking forward to it. We'll give some picks out. We'll talk top games of the week. Uh, we'll get into whatever NFL news. Something crazy will happen this, this week. See what AB will do next. Yeah, well, AB is just consistently... I, I mean, we might have to ban him from, from the podcast. <laughs> we might have to ban AB. Uh, yeah, now he's trying to go practice with high school kids. I don't know if I'm a coach. I want that happening on my field. But whatever. Like I said, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and we will post links to the podcast on Instagram and Twitter. If you don't see the link for the podcast app that you listen on to, that you listen to podcasts on, add us. We'll fix it. We'll get you a link and share it with your friends. Go follow, go rate, review, do everything you can to help us out on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. Uh, that really helps. And, yeah, just share it with your friends. We're trying to keep this thing growing. It's going good so far. We love doing it. And if you have anything you want to talk about on the show, get at us for that as well. DM, whatever. You can DM the show or DM me. It doesn't matter. Or Matthew. And we will, we will find time to answer your question and go over whatever topic you want to discuss. And that's it. We'll see you Monday or Friday, excuse me. Yep, see you next time.